What do we do with people who claim to have a word from the Lord? Great one. And other really good questions on this episode of Ask. Let's get into it. Hey, welcome once again to Ask. This is where you give questions and I, Pastor Jamie, answer them. So questions can be about life, Bible, faith, whatever you have, and anything else. So we, we need your questions. Go to cornerstonebv.org, click media, then ask. When you see the drop down, leave your question. Boom. Easy as that. So, all right, let's get into the, our questions for this week. First one says this. Hi, Pastor. Hi. Maybe you've addressed this already. I think I have, but it's been a while. There are a lot of people claiming to be prophets uh, and or operate in the prophetic, in parentheses, have a prophetic anointing. While I certainly believe God speaks through his people and have frequently had someone speak a timely word to me um, under, you know, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, my eyes kind of, I like this, mine do too, glaze over when someone uh, tells me that they are a prophet. I have a similar reaction when I hear of classes to help develop your prophetic giftings. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the subject of uh, self-proclaimed prophets and apostles in these last days. Okay, I uh, certainly, uh, this is something that I've obviously run into, uh, not in, in many times in my own life as a pastor. So let's start with prophecy in general. A prophetic word is given by God to a person to tell people his word of truth. There are two main categories for this, right? Both forthtelling and foretelling. The Old Testament prophets did both of these things. They foretold mysteries previously not known and events that had not yet happened. But if we are being honest, the vast majority of even their ministry was forthtelling. This is when you give warnings to the people. It's all things they either did know or should have known already. Like a lot of what your pastor says in church. In the New Testament, our scriptures were given from the apostles. For it to be in our Bibles, it needed to be written by an apostle, uh, the testimony of an apostle, or validated as true by the apostles. That is why the canon of scripture, our Bibles, are considered closed today. So, when you see in the New Testament the gift of prophecy, uh, it's someone who gives you excellent and wise insight that is validated by God's word and never contradicts it. So when someone comes to you and claims to have a prophetic word from God, it must, 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 did I say must? Reach our first standard. The first standard is it must never contradict, add or skew what we have in our Bibles. If it does, regardless of what they say or claim, it must be called out as false and thrown away as rubbish. However, uh, what about when someone comes to you with a word from God that is vague and could be true? Well, let's say a guy tells you that God told him that God was going to redeem this time in your life. And you like that because you are indeed in a place in your life right now that is like a rut and feels aimless. So this could be true and a very hopeful thing to consider. Or a different scenario that is potentially more dangerous. Someone tells you that the Lord wants you to do something very specific, like take a different job or ask a certain person out on a date. Well, either way, we must hold the prophetic word to some standards. First, remember, it must be biblical. But then you need to consider the person, right? Big. Have they told you things before that did not work out or come true? Then the Bible says they're a false prophet and you shouldn't listen to them. Do you know them? If not, that's difficult. But if so, then consider their Christian character. Do they know the Bible? Do they love to obey the scriptures? 
or is their life not really reflective of a mature Christian? If the answer is no, then I would not hold what they say with a lot of weight or attention. Third standard, take the prophetic word that it lines up, and if it lines up for you to other Christians, take it to other Christians in your life that you trust, ask them their opinion, and ask them to pray for God's wisdom. Especially if the prophetic word is asking you to do something specific. My experience has told me that God doesn't typically use random people to tell you specific things about your life, but he might. So lastly, hold it, but hold it loosely. If it lines up with scripture, you trust the source, and it seems to fit in with your life and, and make a lot of sense, then prayerfully consider it, but do not run with it as gospel truth. All right, second question this week, what are your thoughts and or position about the newly formed pastors for Trump? What is Cornerstone Church's position? Huh? I would say the same thing of any pastor group that throws their entire endorsement behind any one candidate or party. That is dumb. We are servants and followers of Jesus Christ. Not Trump, not Biden, not Obama, or any other person you can think of. Hey, I always say, vote your conscience, and your conscience should, as a Christian, line up with the Bible. So, not your personal truth, or what, but God's truth. And so you should uh, be for candidates and policies who are for life. Candidates who back the freedom to worship and obey God. We will always have disagreements, and that's fine. But when someone starts telling me that with authority that my biblical beliefs are illegal, we got a big issue. All right, lastly this week, good one. What purpose was served by God's plan, including Jesus' betrayal, as opposed to him, say, just being identified by one of his critics uh, or something like that? So the first and easiest answer with that, it was just simply the plan of God. You look back at Zechariah chapter 11, and it says, And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver, verse 13. And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was, I priced them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Also, by the way, Jesus predicted the betrayal. So this was the plan of God since the beginning, and that's why it was fulfilled by Judas. But still, a good question to ponder is, why was that God's plan? Look, ultimately, we don't really know, but we can make some educated guesses. First, Judas is the most dramatic example of all of Jesus' followers scattering from uh, him right before the cross. In a way, they all betrayed Jesus. Peter denied him three times. The others ran for their lives and left Jesus to fend for himself. The difference? Those other disciples repented and still believed in Jesus, so there was redemption for them. Judas killed himself, still lost in sin. So it's a good lesson for you. You cannot outsin the grace of God. You cannot outsin the cross of Christ. However, if you die in your unbelief, you will be lost forever. The second thing I think we can learn from this is Judas is a great example of being, in quotes, around Jesus. It's not enough. You may say you believe, but do you really? Is there evidence in your life? You know his teachings maybe, and maybe you go to church sometimes, but you don't know more than Judas did, and he definitely went to church a lot more than you. He spent three years with Jesus. Judas serves as a giant warning that we must have true conversion belief in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Hopefully that helps. All right, thank you for joining us on Ask this week. Make sure you go to cornerstonebv.org and submit your questions for a future episode. In the meantime, I'll see you this weekend, 5 o'clock Saturday, 9 or 11 on Sunday, and uh, we'll keep Ecclesiastes going for you. God bless. See you soon.